Are you, did you get a good breath? <laughs> I don't let it out until the very end. I don't know. I mean, is there a coffee? <laughs> yeah, there it is. A cough early. Let's uh, do a show, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Uh, the cough Ceremonious become, cough. The cough has become the third host. <laughs> Uh, as long as it's not like a tumor that grows out of your uh, nipple dude, I've or had, something. I've, <laughs> I've had, or anywhere, really. Now, if if you had a, a, a nipple, a, a third nipple, would it also have a beard? Uh, you know what? Maybe. Whoops. <laughs> that was like... That was a big question. I needed, yeah. I needed, I needed silence. You wanted it. silence. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Welcome um, to Hollywood Anonymous. I am uh, Brian Irwin. Yes. <laughs> You are, uh, if you are listening on the day that this comes out, it is almost New Year's Eve. Who are you? Who am I? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm John Huck. Yeah. I, I thank you for confirming that I am who I am and when it is. I, I didn't uh, I didn't say who I was, which I usually do. Man, I'm thrown off today. I'm a little, I went to a concert last night. I got a little bit of... This show has structure. <laughs> yes. You're not following the yes, structure. Yes, structure. Like um, <clears throat> a song plays, we introduce like an ourselves, old and then we move on. Structure like an old sponge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An old wet sponge. That's the kind of structure this show. What has. did you go see last night? Ah, I got coffee in my eye. I went. I went and saw Chris Robinson Brotherhood uh, at the El Rey Theater. It was fantastic. You know, when you see a show that like, I've never listened to them before as a band, I've never uh, put put them. You can cut the. I was wondering. <laughs> you are. I was wondering if you were going to say, "Can you please?" <laughs> I mean, Jesus. You have such a love hate relationship with that. It's hilarious. I love to hate it. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I, when you go to see a band and, and, uh, and you're like, you see me like, like you'd never really heard them before, but you're like, yep, this is it. I love these guys. You know what I mean? Like that. It's like split lip Rayfield was like that for me. Fish was like that for me. And uh, Chris Robinson Brotherhood was definitely like that for me. Two of those three bands you just made up, but that, I totally understand no, what no, you're no, saying. No, 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 there's no such thing as split lip Rayfield. Rayfield. No, no, no. I'm wearing the t-shirt right now. Okay, so you got a screen printer at home. It's like, no, it's totally uh, no, no, it sounds like a boxer's name, right? Yes, that's true. Like, no. it, in this corner, split lip Rayfield. Well, first off, who would ever want to call themselves an injury in boxing? Oh, dude, I mean, these guys, they're <laughs> like... Is he an old-timey boxer? And here he is, everybody. <laughs> He couldn't help himself. Ah, like the kid guest. in the back of the room that really just wants to interrupt the teacher. Are you guys podcasting? <laughs> Mick Betancourt, ladies and gentlemen. Mick hey, Mick, did, where, is this, did you interrupt class? Were you a class oh, interrupter? Oh, God. You were a noose. You had to were have you? been a okay. fucking Well, first nuisance. off, your name guys, is Mick, so a... we know that for a fact. Yeah, right. Second of all, did you, John? Yeah. Were you I mean, a class? I was because you, you, right. you, so you I just want to be clear that all of us were. I won it in eighth grade. I won class clown. Where did you sit? Where, uh, tip, throughout your years, like where was your average position without being told where to? Like you know when you used to have to have choice back, and then immediately moved up to the front because of it. Because because, because as soon as they see you in the back, they'd be like you up here, so I can now, see you. Let me Lunacy. ask you a question: Did it get Lunacy. did it get to the point though where you didn't get where they actually put you up front before you, your your reputation had preceded you? So when you got into the class, they're like, Mick, no, 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 you'll be up here. Yeah. Or did you always get to start in the back and then have to? Slowly... No, I started in the back and then. Um, like it was bad. Like we uh, <laughs> did people th- die. You, pull, you pulled your dick out a couple of times, didn't you? This kid never Brian lay it on the table. Realized that instead of spitballs, if you took a long needle and duct taped yarn to it, it was like a blow dart. Good lord, dude! So we would all, when the nun would turn, ah, lighter up. Like seven Zulu warriors rising above their trapper keepers. She's like Ace Ventura in the second one. And they would go into her ass, her back, and then stick in the board Ugh. around her. You can move that in if you want. If, was, you're not, uh, if you don't want to lean in, that's fine. It was so you never hit her. Amazing. Were you? Well, no, they said they said no, ass and back. We we did hit her. We hit her with blow darts. Like okay, and you stayed in school. Feral animals. Yeah, you're. Yeah, and you stayed in school. 
Yeah, it was rough. I don't know. They really wanted to. I got. Um, I did get expelled once. I got suspended twice. You would think the, that that's an expelled offense. Uh, uh, we were in needles. Fourth grade. Fourth Still fifth grade. That's yeah. what are you, you're a, a start them young. Catholic school or prison? Where did you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> both, both apparently based you know, on the talk. Looking back uh, and talking with other kids because we're still there's a group of four of us that are still friends, also known as the detention four, <laughs> the D four, <laughs> and uh, me and the D four. Uh, yeah, we're just real because we all, with the exception of one guy, have children that would we would be in. You know, it's weird when you have kids because well, you start looking back, right? Yeah, like, you look back uh, and you're like, I really don't. You know, I have nothing to say. We're just going to go on principle here because I can't. I I was yeah. I was a fair. I was way worse than you could ever possibly wolf. be. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we roofed hard a teacher's car. We would Jesus. The, uh, the pastor was an alcoholic and he'd ask for Welch's grape juice in the chalice because we were altar boys, and we would put wine in there and basically relapse the guy every Sunday. What the fuck? We would sell the hosts. We would steal bags of hosts. There was an underground Eucharist market on the wow. uh, thing. Yeah, it was t- it was totally wow. Insane. And that's but that's so yeah. I sat in the back of class. <laughs> Jesus, wow. wow! Surprised you were even allowed any. I was not that bad. I was just a disruptor. Yeah, I, like I, I yeah, I just wanted to. Sorry, I, 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 I didn't. I never. Uh, I never did. It, I had attempted murder. <laughs> yeah. in the fourth grade, I tried to kill anyone. <laughs> I didn't fucking relapse people on their habits. <laughs> Jesus. One time we, uh, there was a, uh, these This kids, is Chicago? Did you, where did you Chicago. live? Did you oh, live yeah. in the Berwyn, suburbs or yeah, were you? Yeah. Uh, well, I was born in Chicago in Humboldt Park. And then when my dad died, I moved to a neighborhood called Berwyn. Berwyn. Yeah, I know Berwyn. that. I'm Son of Svangooli. I'm very familiar with the yeah. Svangooli and also the name Berwyn. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I call I, him Irwin. No one would say that now, but I used Berwyn to get that yelled Berwyn? at me when I was a kid. Berwyn? Well, yeah, because Berwyn, Berwyn. Berwyn. So Berwyn. So that, uh, that he just did. You're from Wisconsin, though, right? No, no. I was born in Cook County. I grew up in Glenview. And then I moved to Wisconsin. So I'm a splitsy. He became a Nazi. I'm uh, shortly splitzy. after being splitzy. born, you're a splitzy. He was he's a Cubs fan, but a Packer fan. But he's only recently <laughs> he's only recently getting back on the Cubs bandwagon. Yeah, you were off for a little while. I have like I was. Uh, I'm not on the bandwagon. I I was I was tentative in watching it because you and I had the conversation. I warned a lot of people do not get too excited about it. They've been here before, and, and you know they eventually did you know peter out. Is here's but here's the deal. There's I still fell th- this over is the Sterling rail. Castro. Bye bye. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay with You're Castro okay, going okay. to the Yankees. Uh, I like the they got a right-handed pitcher, and I love the Ben Zobras signing. And I think today we're going to get Jason Hayward. And if that happens, we got center field taken care of. Yeah. And I say we because I'm going to coach yes. this season from my living room. If I yell loud enough, Joe Madden will be like, "Oh yeah, you want to turn that down?" If you know, I don't know Tweak if you know this or not, Mick, but it, uh, there's actually this. Uh, uh, um, there's actually you want up or down? Down. There's there's nothing. Can you even hear anything now? Yeah. No, it's the mic seems super hot. That's We're coming in hot. As everyone's I, fucking a, mouth is is, is a gossamer. I've got length you turned up from nothing. What is a gossamer? When well, I, I was I'm sorry, it turns it the wrong way. You're like turning it way up. Hey, are you deaf yet? <laughs> hey, why are my ears a bleeding? More up now, I'm off. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. Happy New Year, Mick. <laughs> He's See like, you I later. Don't, I don't understand why there's blood coming off the sides of my head. <laughs> yeah, I've no, turned it all the way to eleven. I don't know why. <laughs> That's like two ones, so it's okay? as low as it can go. Is that okay? Perfect, right there. God, I'll never be a sound guy. When go. I was uh, 10, I fell over the rail at Brookfield Zoo. Uh, what does that have to do with the, the Cubs? And the monkey Were you cage? trying to catch a foul ball? I don't understand how you tied that into the And the, the silverback gorilla. Okay, first of all, I'm not, Sod- buying, I'm not no, no. buying this. Sodomized me. What? Okay, <laughs> this is, here we go. Pulled this down is... my Catholic corduroy school pant uh-huh. uniforms. We're on a field trip. Uh-huh. That hurt less oh. than the Mets. 
beating the Cubs this okay. year. Oh, you know what? You kind of Bill Dwyer'd us for a second. <laughs> yeah, we had, Dwyer was on the show. We were he was like, out of control. We, we had, had no, no idea what the fuck he was talking there about was the whole time. Such a blurry line between reality and like he and, had clearly and, was fictional. And Dwyer, I think almost yeah, the whole thing was fictional. He might yeah. believe that. No, but but I see what you're saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. There's yeah, the blurry yeah. line, right? Yeah, where the where the person believes the delusions. <laughs> yeah, that's where you're in big fucking trouble. Like I remember watching Harlan Williams do stand up, yeah. and I'm like, clearly. It's like a Chris Elliott-esque, but Chris Elliott knows what the fuck's going on. Right. I'm like, I think this guy has drank his own Kool-Aid, you know? But then you meet him. I had a chance to meet him afterwards. He's super cool, fucking yeah. encouraging guy. Yeah, like, he's super nice. But I was like, man, this if, if this this might be the – which is a, a testament to how great the act is. Right, right, right. There, right. There, but there are certain guys who can <clears throat> who can uh, – certain comedians, I should say, that they can be on stage and be full of themselves on stage, but that's part of – who, I don't know if you ever knew Rick Kunkler. Yeah. But that dude is is like on stage. He he's like so full of himself. It's but it's I was sitting full Tron. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. but 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 full but full Less Tron. now you, when he was first full Tron you can was, see yeah. but you can see that full Tron it's like you see the wink wink almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. With full Tron you see the wink wink with with Kunkler you're like is, is, is this fuck Yes. Yeah, that's a good well. Yeah, I guess. I like how you're just diffusing air. He's like, no, it's like, you're like, nope, I got another guy for you. <laughs> I'm not going to let you I'm finish it. I'm trying to fucking <laughs> give pump him up and no, give you no, I hear the, you. the, the rocket ship ride to declarative <laughs> sentence. Right, yeah. The, the rocket ship ride to declarative he's sentence. Just, he's fine tuning your thoughts. <laughs> That's perfect. Can you follow me around all day? I'll never have to. Lenny Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so full of himself. No, but turns I just, out it was always Kunkler. But that is, but that is. There's, what there's about Rick Kunkler? <laughs> hey, now there's a guy. If you've ever seen him, holy <laughs> shit, you're fired. This is over. What if I just walked out? I'm done. Don't pull a Coleman. Oh yeah, we got we got Craig Coleman so mad by making fun of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, wow. so, the fictionary fucking. <clears throat> not on our show. We were a guest on on the Full Charge Power Hour, and I thought. When we had a conversation about Bigfoot, that we were all on the same page, that, <laughs> no, one not room, real. that like, no one in the room was a Bigfoot fan. And like, we were wrong. <laughs> and and we were just, me a lot. I, I knew Craig, as you know, I know Craig real well. And I was just, I, I kept, you know, needling him, if you will. No, not and, Brian Irwin. And, not uh, Merwin. And then he just looked at me and goes, you know what? I don't need this. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't need. And he just whipped off his headphones and he walked and away. We, and I thought he was doing. And we like were a little like, bit "Oh, this is a good. This is a bit. theater. This, this is great theater of the mind." Right. He's coming back. and It's gonna be like, "What? What?" Never came back. <laughs> he was pissed. <laughs> the show was just like an, a two and a half awkward. Like, uh, so let's just try to talk about. Um, is it mm, mm, oh, huh. really one of my fondest podcasting memories, though? And he to the. I mean, he's like okay with it now. He's not like still crying. Or well, anything. here's why he calmed down afterwards. So he left, stormed away, probably smoked a cigarette, calmed down, calls his wife and says, "I'm really mad right now." And he, she said, "Why?" He goes, "Um." They kept making fun of me on the show about me believing Bigfoot. And, and then, she goes... And she, he said and, it and out it was, loud. It was, it was silent. <laughs> she goes, sounds pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? When you say it out loud, he goes, yeah. <laughs> and then it was just so... He felt so stupid. But that's... I think that's great that you have... You know, he... he he's self-aware. He's like... He says it out loud. He's like, oops, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> anyway, I'm not quite sure how we got there. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, you were... 
Uh, Barstow. Yes. What? Are, just... <laughs> that's the answer to the question. Oh, Col- Coleman's from Barstow, right? Uh, uh, no, uh, Bakersfield. 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 Right. Sips. Yeah. Shithole. Yeah. Boy, talk all, about yeah. two different places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all pass throughs. Yeah. Um, well, you were saying that you got sodomized by a gorilla, and that hurt Meaning worse. That, than... So you used to be a Cubs fan, is really what you're saying? And did no, you I also love... walk away? Did no, you do... no, I don't know. No. He just said it hurt more that the Mets beat the Cubs than him getting sodomized by a gorilla. Were you being serious about that, or you did you become passive? I love the Cubs. But are you a, are you more past? Like he's still like no. I won't watch the Bears. Any, the Bears. I can't watch the Bears until anymore. Cutler is gone. Until yes. Goodell is out of the NFL. Done. Until people like Greg Hardy are fucking in prison. Done. Until Jerry Jones doesn't own a goddamn team. Well, that, until there's yeah. some form of minority team owner. You know what I mean? I'm fucked. The NFL can eat a bag of fucking huge hairy well, poisonous also, meals. Also, and my favorite sport is the UFC. So this might sound a little, although it's safer than boxing because they're not just consistent twelve round head strikes. But literally, the NFL is grown men at the peak of their athletic capacity running as fast, fast as, as they can, can and yeah. repeatedly slamming their heads into each other. And it's like, I think it's, gonna, it's our generation's version of smoking, where it's like, although I caught a little of this in my generation, which was like, you kind of knew it was bad, but the advertising and the branding it's and still the lobbying so exciting. was still so cool. powerful. Still worth you're paying just money for. Still, you just rationalized it until the horrific real health consequences and the dubious intentional duping of the public for monetary gain was exposed. Then you go, oh my God, holy shit. Yeah. And I think that the NFL is at the peak of shit that's happening because everyone's making billions and billions of dollars and it's a very exciting thing to watch. But when you pull back and realize just how fucking graphic and horrible it's the damage gross, really is. It's a gross. It's gross. Yeah. It's gross. It's fucking And really who the gross. fuck wouldn't, if you're telling a young guy, <laughs> hey, I'll give you $100 million to run as fast as you can and slam your head into that wall and 60,000 people will cheer as loud as they can. And you will be famous and as you're gonna be, fuck. Of course you're going to do it. Of course you're going to do it. Can I still watch football? Yeah, you oh, can do whatever okay, you want. If you, you like Satan, what's the name of oh. your terrorist cell? Oh. The Satans. The Satans. That's the, good. No, Satans. because that really... It's uh, Split it's, Lip Rayfield, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Don't you bring that band into uh, this. Okay. Right. But no, yeah. I, I, but yeah, so the Bears, I mean, they're obviously oh, a joke. I mean, come on. What is Cutler's Well, again, it boils down to ownership. It's like any business. If you got a, if it's just not a good owner. Yeah, but all the, the owners are fucking always, old, crusty white dudes, dude. They're all they're, like they're pieces part of, of the problem. There's part of the problem. Yeah. Right all right. Anyway, we're done with that. Uh, Cubs next year, they'll be good though. That's the thing that. But are you? you can a, be I guess excited. it goes back to the question: Is do you have like major sports passion? Or are you like? Can you? Are you? Kind UFC's of like, uh, my sport. But, yeah, but I'm going to Vegas no, tomorrow to Chicago, watch the, the Chicago. Fights. Do you bleach any Chicago sport Cubs. anymore? Cubs. A, a lot. I bleed Cubs. I bleed Gene and Jude hot dogs. <laughs> it's my favorite hot dogs. I bleed Lou Malnati's pizza. I bleed Bona Beef. With L's coming in at a hot close second. Do you order any food from Chicago to be delivered to your house? Yeah, of course I do. do Overnighted, you? I get... Well, here's what happens. Overnight, I do Lou Malnati's, Carson Ribs. Overnighted, dry ice. Then I drive down to Bona Park to Portillo's. Yes, you do. And I get the half-baked bread. I finish it in the oven, and I get five to ten pounds <clears throat> of the beef with the ajou sauce. Yeah. The jardinerse. Dip the Hat, whole, dip double the dips with provolone. Dip the whole thing and, in. Uh, just wet. Eat, eat like I hate myself. <laughs> so is this everything you just? Is this all one meal? What you just? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, five yeah. to ten pounds of beef. <laughs> yeah. Here's here's what happens. Everyone when, leave the kitchen. This is Daddy's <laughs> night. Daddy's this, this is what sobriety. This is what thirteen and a half years sober looks like when you've got nothing left. This is the meal. I I'll have four to six slices of Lou Malnati's, 
two to three beefs and a half rack of Carson's. Are you? Whoa, really? Let's. This is not a fucking game, Hawk. Is there oh, tears? No, it is not. <laughs> but I think that speaks to your <clears throat> you, who you are anyway. Because when you did, when you weren't sober. <clears throat> it was as much as you could do, right? All- My favorite thing that quantifies alcoholism or drug addiction is one's too many and, and a the thousand's, thousands never enough. enough. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's that is. I saw that. I've you know gone to a couple of <laughs> meetings and places that have shit Spot, like that on were the you wall. Spying? No, but I had like in college, I got a court Networking. order to go to this. See a counselor guy. I ran over a bus stop full of nuns. <laughs> no, I was had a party and the cops were like, <laughs> I can give everyone here a, a ticket or you can take a $300 fine uh, for having the party. I'm like, yeah, I'll take the fine. And then I had to go to this, you know, they're like, well, you're guilty. So you got to go to this drug alcohol counseling thing. And it's like, all right. So I'm in college. This I would go to these meetings and then I would leave the place and go get a 20 pack of fucking Bush Light and go mm, hang out. Crush it. Fuck yeah. you and your meeting. Capper. Yeah. Try a, to hold me goes, down. He, this he, is America's. He, he goes, I see you turned 21. I go, yeah. He goes, when did that happen? I go two weeks ago. He goes, "What'd you do?" I go, I "Went to New Orleans and got shit faced." And he goes, "Uh, but tell me that again." But you know, and I go, "Oh, I went to New Orleans and hung out with my friends." And he's like, "Oh, and was it hard not to drink?" I go, "Yeah, it was real hard." <laughs> I was like, "The most." It was like he was like, "All right, dude, I know you're in college and you're not listening to any of this. Just yeah, please yeah. tell me to my face that you were sober." Yeah. And I was like, "Sure, fine." Whatever. Being young's rough. Being young is fucking rough. And I think when people get a little older, they forget that and they look at young people and they're like, "Just do smart things." And you're like, yeah. "Dude, that's impossible. Yeah. I have no idea how to do that." <laughs> well, I saw. Um, I can't remember. I saw some research that had come out that said the 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 male brain doesn't even begin the process of full development and comprehension until after the age of like 25 or something like that so that would seem about right yeah i'm leading a different life now i'm leading a i am a different human being and a lot of stuff i'm ashamed of that i did but you could you do that doesn't guarantee that you some you don't tell me that you don't know people that never changed oh yeah look i mean i had to you made a conscious fucking ass off to be a you know walk upright but uh it just be, you know, I'm working on a book right now that's coming out in 2016. And awesome. the first line is being young almost killed me. And I believe that. It was just for me and a lot, and a large 12 people didn't make it out that I know that oh, were that really grew close up with to you. me. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a lot of people that yeah. just like aren't here right now and aren't going to play with their kids today and aren't going to go to a job that they find rewarding today. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to me only because. That hubris of youth and that rocket ship ride just fucking tore him down. It was just too much. And let's take a trip down memory lane with you because I want to. I want to get a little I, more of your background. But before we go, John asked a really important question before the show. Um, yeah, uh, about Dolph Lundgren. Oh, Ooh. oh, yeah, yeah. What do you? <laughs> I, I had this. I don't know. I, is Dolph Lundgren's full name Dolphin? Like, is Dolph short for Dolphin? Does his mom like? Hey, Dolphin Q Lundgren, get in there and clean your goddamn room. What's I Q? thought it was uh, Dolphin Frugenblugen. Yeah, that would make more sense than Q. Q is what could be his middle initially. Maybe so anyway, I went Q- Dolphin Q- Quinn Lundgren. I, I uh, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphin Quinn Medicine. Lundgren. <laughs> um, I so I I, uh, I I googled it. What happened? His um, name is short for Dolphina. Uh, Dolph is short for Hans. Your what? His real name is Hans Lundgren. Why do, what, what's Dolph? Just a that sounds noise more he awesome, makes? I get. <laughs> Dolph. Ah, it's like when he's taking a dump. Uh, it's Dolph. golf, Hans. Dolph? Dolph? I play Dolph. Golf. Oh, Dolph. Hans. So it's, it's Hans. His name is Hans. So Dolph is short for Hans. Yep. <laughs> In case anyone was... And what is that, Swedish? German? Oh, you're gonna, like uh, dick yes, is Swedish. short for cock. 
Mm. <laughs> Short, <laughs> not mine. It is? <laughs> Super long. All right. Uh, <laughs> What's long for cock? Richard? Shlong. Guys. Hi, kids. <laughs> <laughs> What's long for cock? 14 inches. You obviously, uh, we already covered this. You uh, were born uh, in the Illinois area. Yes. But uh, just so we're clear, I mean, when you hear the name Mick Betancourt, you live the Betancourt lifestyle. I mean, you you and I have talked about this before. You pretty, like, I've done stupid things in childhood. I have a pretty good childhood. Like, I was, you know, normal, middle class. I remember America. meeting you in Chicago at Zany's downtown. Really? <clears throat> I don't yeah. remember that. But we'll, I, we'll get there. And, yeah, and okay. What did I do? I'll we'll get you, there. I, I'm on the ride, gentlemen. I'm on the ride. Well, but you you come from a pretty jacked up, like you know, you were yeah. you weren't kidding about the you know the the well, Catholic school and the shooting the needle. I mean, you were you were a rebel rouser. Well, it, it was does, a, it was it, a. It does start with the parents and <laughs> like that. You like that, that one, rebel rouser. What? And it does it does start with the parents, and I think that Brian, like our parents, uh, probably like never robbed banks. Wait, what? Whose story are we telling here? <laughs> Give us a little background on... on uh, your, so my on parents year. were 16 and 17 when I was born. Uh, my father uh, took one, as many teenage boys do, uh, a half hump past pullout time as required. Yeah. Nine months later, just thought had one more pump left in him before evacuation and paid a price, and that price was me. Mm. Are you the only one in the family? I'm the... Well, so, yeah, my... Uh, yeah, my, uh, no. I had, uh, my parents had me. My mom left. My dad uh, raised me till he was 22 when he passed away. And at his uh, wake, his girlfriend found out that she was pregnant. Real ghetto so shit, man. I have a stepbrother brother, who I okay. finally found on Ancestry.com two years ago. And when I put in the name, the first website that came up was mugshots.com. So now we're taking a step back. Oh, yeah, it's like... So so, so you so at six you find out yeah. kind of you're six because you only half give a shit right so, yeah that there somehow or another there's somebody else blood related to you but you never at that time I really at seven because his girlfriend sent me a birthday card because my uncle came and got me uh, and basically kidnapped me in the best possible way out of uh, Humble Park and moved me to Berwyn and with my mom okay who, so then you went back with your mom yeah. so you didn't really so there was no real relationship. For you to, to establish this other blood relative for no no never there's no, never no, been never, I just I knew about no this exists. guy and I think that she would send a picture of him in the uh, with like a twenty dollar bill which was really great because she was a she had a problem with heroin and then ultimately moved to Florida and cleaned up and I think she married a doctor okay so oh, she's, she, got, he she kept figured my, it out. he kept my dad's <laughs> name the kid did so okay. which is wild. So, all right, so back to your parents and yeah, your just, dad. The you, very short period of, of your life. Um, very dysfunctional, a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs, a lot of... Uh, what ultimately killed him? He got electrocuted on the third rail. He was in the... To give you an idea, like, he was in the morgue for three days before anyone even thought to go look for him, and he died John Doe, penniless, in a, in a steel box. So, yeah, and then someone's like, hey, Big Mickey. He was Big Mickey. I was a little Mickey. So I ever seen Big Mickey? He's a, call it call the drunk tanks. Call it drunk Did tanks. Did he fall into something drunk or something? Is that what the, well, the guess there's, is? There's, there's, there's many, many different theories, but all of them wind up with him. Just still being in the same place. Yeah, same, they yeah, all end okay. the same way. But uh, How is that uh, as, a, as a seven-year-old? Like, what is it? I mean, what's well, I didn't going, really understand death you didn't, too much. Okay. Uh, at his 
we had a well, we were poor. We had a welfare funeral, like one of the storefront places. And I just pe- saw him laying down and I peeled his eye open and I pulled the stitches off of his eye. You did? I thought he was asleep. Yeah, Are you serious? Everyone's like, <gasps> and my uncle grabs me and I'm like, what's going on? And then my uncle's like, he's not waking up. Like, that's what dead looks like. So, and you'll never forget that. No. Oh, no. my God. I, but, I mean, I'll it, never forget is, it. Jesus is that, Christ. <laughs> is, that, is that most of your memories of that? Is just that that's kind of like encapsulates that all that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah there's. Um, and you said he I'm sorry. So <clears throat> he had your own 16. Was he there for those six years? You said that he let how, how was no, he not he, around? He, no, he just worked whatever shitty jobs he could get. And, you know, it's funny you talk about being um, uh rambunctious or you know like well, probably ADHD or ADD <clears throat> right. so I've told this story on podcasts before I bet you have how <laughs> no, ridiculous <laughs> but uh, one time my aunt came home she was a uh, drug addict and she uh, went into the bathroom it didn't wake my dad up <clears throat> but it woke me up it sounded like someone uh, threw a basketball in there and hit it with an aluminum bat and uh, ah, that just, so I went that, in. That sound is not. That can't be a, good. A a a, a rich. You, th- you think? <laughs> thudish thunk. And uh, anyway, I went. I opened the bathroom door, and she was crumpled upside down with her legs jutting up in the air with a with a belt on her arm, and she had tied off on the toilet and fallen into the bathtub. And so my uh, <clears throat> dad then did wake up, pulled me out of there. My grandmother came in. She was a little hysterical. And then uh, my dad got her to come back to life. But while my while my dad was trying to you know pouring cold water on her and slapping her, uh, my grandma looks at me and goes, "The devil is in the house right now, and we're all gonna wake up with black eyes." And I'm like, "What?" what? And she goes, "The devil is in the house right now, and we're all gonna wake up with black eyes." Now go to bed. Uh, like, you mean lay here and stare at the ceiling, scared shitless? <laughs> so, uh, uh, my dad got Nanette to come back. He laid down on the sofa. I went to bed on the floor uh, beneath him. Graham went in the kitchen and started drinking. And the next morning, I woke up and I kind of forgotten. I was just so groggy for being up late. Went in the bathroom and everything kind of came flashing back. So I closed the toilet and I leaned in over the sink to look in the mirror. And I had a purple, gold, black eye, lost my shit, run into the living room, pull the covers off dad. He has a black eye. Nanette had a black eye. Nancy, his other sister, had a black eye. And my grandma had a black eye. And I'm like, holy shit, the devil just fucking shellacked everybody last night. Like, I had no, to this day, I have no, like, I'm a grown man, I understand. Yeah. Like, but, but, like, that happened. So, like, I'm like, how the what fuck? the fuck? Like, it was just so weird, man. That whole environment was so weird. And then I moved over. Well, my dad died to the Irish side, and uh, my grandma there was taking me to church. And, you know, she's like, you got to go to church. Church is the way out, church. And now my mom's brother had just been murdered, I think, a year or two before I had moved there. She was a teen mom. The other, Her other brother was a pathological, lying alcoholic who was mildly successful as a stockbroker but then got MS. And like lived, it was just all like just broken, drunken oh, shit. Let me stop you there for a second. <laughs> I, I want well, because I mean, is this? 
I mean, this is the kind of shit you see in movies, and you're like, okay, I think the ben movie Affleck Precious. <laughs> Well, so Jesus. I, couldn't, I couldn't watch. You, that you know what I mean? Time. Like you, you hear like movies like The Town or something like that, yeah. and they show this whole thing. There's this part of town in Boston where everybody's just fucked up. It's just this area. Is this the kind of area that you unfortunately were raised yeah. in? That where well, it's you just don't like, think about it. All, like, all these so, this this whole world is just kind of fucked up. Or, or was there anything good in this world? Or and this was just was the not, fucked up families that found each other. It was fucked up families, but like we. Um, you know there was a, there was like a farm system for the Chicago outfit was Berwyn Cicero so like the gangs there. When you, you know, say gang, like define well, like street gangs, and you didn't and and but they were also like it like a lot of there was a lot of guys like my one of my dearest friends' fathers in organized crime. Our other friends mother killed his father and was on the run and then his sister uh got murdered and they cut her head off for luring opposing gang members like having sex with opposing gang members and then luring them into a place where her real gang would kill Good those kill. guys and then so the police realized the only person in common with all of those homicides was her then her own gang killed her so but then you know look we would go to genera park and we would play lob and fast pitch and baseball and football and we go to the rec and play basketball and we play arcade games so like are you talking about irish and italian gangs stuff like that is that what this uh those were mostly italian and then the hispanic gangs a little later on okay uh, latin kings spanish cobras i remember uh, hearing about the latin kings vice lords um these were like two six two two um park boys sarah park boys so when you moved out back in with your mom that that part of it kind of went away no, that's when no. It that's when it, that's when that started. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, so the he other moved. part, the other part was just the alcoholism, drug addict. That was thing. just the, the his yeah, well, dad's side of the crazy family. Yeah. All right. yeah. So, so um, I don't. And in it. the midst of this, like my uncle, my mom's brother was working at a classical music station, and he would take me to go see and this is Yo Yo Ma, it's Zach Perlman, classical music. Oh, look at you getting a little, getting a little culture. This yeah, is the, this it. is the uncle you referred to earlier about grabbing you out and saying, "All right, like he." So, do you identify him as the guy? Like, is he your your your, your father figure, if you will, your mentor he that you was, look up well, to that that kind of was giving you some sort of stability? Is that how you're describing him? Well, what happened is my mom would take me out drinking with her, and she was very violent, and uh, so I would be in my Catholic schoolboy uniform and going to shithole mob joints, drinking till like two in the morning and dancing and and uh, having other nefarious activities happen. And then my grandfather, her father kind of saw us getting home late one time my mom crashed her car into the garage and one time into the tree and he owned this little two flat and so um sometimes my mom would pass out and i wouldn't eat but my grandfather would have uh when you opened his door there was like a little ledge where the steps were you know and he would put pop from aldi soda pop from aldi and from potato aldi. chips <laughs> yeah. So Chicago. I would go and I would sneak up there and I would steal the potato chips and drink the pop if I didn't have dinner. And one night he caught me. And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm taking some of your chips. And he wouldn't, for the first year I lived there, really talk to me because I'm cut with Puerto Rican. So he would say, how's the kid doing? To my mom, when I'd be standing right next to my mom, I'm like, who's the, I'm thinking, who's the kid? You know, like, I like kids. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and, I could uh, use a friend. Hey. <laughs> and so he just really like, you know, it's funny when you're a kid, it's all about you. And now that I'm a little older, I see the whole story of a guy whose daughter is a teen mom, whose other son was murdered, whose other son fucking hates him, but he lets him live in his living room because he was an alcoholic and his alcoholism destroyed his entire family. He's sober now, but. But that's that, what, that's his truth. Your gra- the grandfather. My grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says to me, uh, hey, there's a movie coming on. You want to watch it? And I go, uh, yeah, sure. 
So I go in his apartment. I'd never been in there before. And it, it, in the kitchen was a metal table and then a little tiny movable bar that was used as a TV stand where you were the remote, where you had to spin the dial. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there were two lazy boys in the kitchen that looked over the kitchen table at the TV. One was a newer lazy boy, and the other one was the one with the fucking, you know, cuts and springs poking out of it. Spoken out with yeah. duct tape over it. So he said, you could sit in the chair with the tape on it. <laughs> so I go, all right. And so he goes, are you hungry? And I go, yeah. So he makes some popcorn, Jiffy Pop that you cook on the stove. And uh, we watched The Black Stallion. And so it was about this old guy who thought that his life was over and found refuge like training this little kid. And at the end of it, we were both crying. And he says, why don't you stay up here tonight? And so I said, well, what about my mom? And he goes, I'll deal with her. And then I moved in with my grandfather. Oh, wow. And so I lived with him, and he would drive me to school. And every now and then, my mom would take me out drinking with her, but it, it was happened less. Um, and then... When he, so I would live there Monday through Friday, and then I'd live at my grandmother's where my uncle lived on the weekends. And she was kind of this staunch Catholic woman that would make me go to uh, church every Sunday. When my, and I go out for walks with my grandfather at night. So he was more of a, he, he and my uncle were, were both father figures to me. When I was 13, one morning I went in in June to my grandfather's bedroom. And uh, he reached up to grab me. I was wrestling at the time, and I thought we were wrestling, and he was, had a, he was having a, a heart attack. Oh, so he died right in my arms. And I run out. I jump. I open his door. I jump over the balcony, drop down a flight of stairs, and I'm pounding on uh, my mother's door. And she opens the door. She's naked. There's a guy passed out. She had a dining room table in her kitchen. A dude passed out naked on the table with a giant bottle of pop-off. Uh, next to him and I'm like Gramps dead Gramps dead and uh, right now somewhere on a podcast is a guy the host's going Tommy tell us the story the one time you banged that crazy Irish broad and then, yeah. and then you're passed out on her dining room table and the kid says your dad's dead tell that story <laughs> no, again that's Tommy that's a good one yeah, your, your dick was so hard you killed her dad I think that I think that more goes what's a podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that kind of, that stuff how do I get it on my phone or my radio is that that stuff those gay oh. people do <laughs> So, Can I bring that to the site? So was that when you decided you wanted to be a comedian? <laughs> I, I mean, I I knew you always. It's it's. Listen, there's no other way to describe your childhood except fucked up. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't dude, think it, it could get more I, clear than that. Honestly, I don't like. I mean, I've known. I come from a small town. I went to college in a small town. I've seen kind of families that are just sort of behind and they're not doing the right things with their kids. But man, your story is a little bit uh, above that. In well, the sense of I'll how tell you, fucked up it and, is. and everyone had ambition. Like my mom wanted to be a writer or or uh, uh, an artist, and she went to college and graduated with a liberal arts degree, and had a little gallery showing at the end of that. But then would you know pull a gun on somebody or, or get drunk and drive her fucking car into something? Like so it's just there it was, was a probably severe, some mental illness along, horrific along mental illness. With now are, horrific you, are yeah. you concerned about that? Well, I guess you're kind of uh, you're 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 I guess in some respects maybe way past the age of where your your parents had all the problems. But I guess I'm assuming that never is too far away from you to think about like oh I think hey, uh, well, I've are, been are you always doing head checks? You know? No, I have PTSD. I've got been diagnosed with that so just from all of that stuff and it was a um a blessing and a curse one is my my cousin who's like a brother to me he's like the done six combat tours in afghanistan and iraq and he doesn't have ptsd so it was a little embarrassing to me 
to have to tell him that because he's like my brother and he's like, dude, I don't give a shit. Your, your truth's your truth. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think a lot of times when people think they can just tough it out, like you're just going to tough it out, sometimes that works. But just because you got through something doesn't mean it's over. When, yeah. when did That's you... actually lies. Um, when did you actually start saying to yourself, I like the, when did you become interested in entertaining and trying to make people laugh? And how did that all develop? Like, where's, you know what I mean? Because you could have just went down this dark path and just said, fuck everybody and but, just, and stayed there. Yeah. 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 But also, I'm, I'm imagining that with your childhood, the way you grew up, that there was probably like, you probably enjoyed it if you could make your grandpa laugh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like, and I was the, you know, like for me, acting out was my release before I found drugs and alcohol. So I wasn't a particularly violent kid. I liked playing sports. Um, wrestling for me, I think, saved my life at that crucial 13, uh, 18 yeah. year old patch where I could be very aggressive in a healthy way as opposed to just, going you know, out and I've, I've been, I've been in a ton of fights only because. Everyone around me had serious rage and anger. Like rage. If you haven't been about someone who rages, it's much different than someone who's angry. Rage is um, homicidal. Like someone's going to die. So whenever I would pop up, I would always get beaten. So the rage kind of got beaten out of me. But the times that I did get into fights, I fought to kill. Like I fought. I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill this person. And that, what that did to me inside, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to box. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to murder you. End of story. Until someone pulls me off, I'm going to fucking, yeah. you know. You're going to keep going. Yeah, I'm going to keep. There's no, this is not. We're not fucking around here. So like, because my grandfather told me if it goes, if you're going to get in a fight with someone and you're not prepared to kill them, then don't get into the fight because you don't know if the other person is prepared, is, is prepared yeah. to kill you. And he goes, and if you can't <clears throat> use your teeth and bite someone's face off, then you're in the wrong fight. Then don't fight because all the rules are gone. People are going to pull a knife in you and a gun. And there, you know, I found out a little bit about his past after he died, but you know, people he knew got, his son got murdered. So it's not like, and that was just in a fight. So... That was, I didn't that, that have was, any grandfather. That was his to reality. You know these, I mean? To give me these kind of wise words of bite people's faces off or yeah, lose but your it was, teeth or die. Or... You know, but he also showed me how to you know like draw, and we would go on walks sure. and talk about nice things. I'm giving you the no, 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 no. That's no, all right. Yeah. So, so, so where did where did the actor the ultimate drive to entertain? Well, I'll tell you. Like, so at first it was a weapon. Comedy Not that I don't a, want to hear all these shitty sad yeah. stories about your life. No, no, no. Listen, we're gonna. Fucking, <clears> I'm just curious because we all know it's gonna call my mom later. Tell her I love her. Fucking suicide hotline. This goddamn podcast. <laughs> I used comedy as a weapon at first because I could. Comedy is control. It really is. You control it. If it's just you, improv's obviously something different. It's not control. It's the exact opposite. But if it's just one person talking, whether you're doing stand up or you're trying to make somebody laugh, there's something very domineering and controlling about that because if it's quiet, I'm not in control. This was back in the day when you're a kid because I'm getting beat. I'm not eating. Things are very volatile. Someone's nice. They're not nice. They're rageful. They're kind. I'm a piece of shit. I'm the best ever. You know, you're just dealing with fucking lunatics. If I could diffuse that situation, one, with comedy, it's great. But also if I could make other people laugh, then you, one, you get a little sense of self. It's like, oh, wow, this is cool. All right, I'm doing something good here. And when you make somebody else laugh, it makes you feel good. Much more than when I would laugh. I liked comedians. Like the first thing I saw, I'd watch The Honeymooners with my grandfather. Ooh, yeah, Jackie Gleason, baby. Jackie Gleason was the best, but he was also like they were broke, and it was, and he was terrified, and he was scared at life. Yeah. And I was like, I'm all those fucking things. And it made my grandfather laugh. So I would imitate Jackie Gleason. And the guy was talking about how the fuck are we going to pay the rent? Yeah. How are we going to get food in here? We can't afford a fucking he TV. Was a bus are you driver out of your and mind? His, yeah. And I was yeah. like, wow. 
that's like us, you know? And then when I heard Richard Pryor, and I had lived in Peoria with my dad for about a year and a half, like, um, and, you know, it was just, and dealt with heroin addiction and yeah, people you, dying. Yeah. Like, so it was like, wow. These and this people guy's were talking to you, basically. Making it funny. Like, we were told you don't ever fucking talk about the family's business out. Don't, don't, no one needs to know our business. No one needs Jesus, to know. Jesus, and you guys business. had a lot of business. Holy fuck. Yeah, and then did. here's a guy on a stay and a full of people his just business, his business yeah. is hanging out. Yeah. And people are crying, laughing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, man, that's the guy. And then yeah. Robin Williams live at the Roxy. Um, when he climbs up the fucking balcony. When he's just coked me, out yeah, of Yeah, he's coked, but that was me. Yeah. That was my walk around without cocaine. Yeah. I was just this bursting thing that fucking needed direct. Like, I just couldn't contain myself. Yeah. And so those three performers to me were like, still to this day, like I headlined a set last night and I like... The, the the those are the three instruments that I uh, so we'll wind up talking about. Like my my mother wound up robbing a bank later in life, and um, for a guy that turned out to be a woman, right? And then my uh, whole thing, and she spent the last eleven years of her life in a committed gay relationship, and so my whole my new hour of stand up is going back home to Chicago with my children to put flowers on my mother's grave. Now, it took me 18 years of doing stand-up to even be able to say something like that on stage. Sure. 16, really. I turned a corner 15 or 16 years to go, I'm tired of just saying things that are funny. They must have depth and weight and be a re- and really resonate emotionally with the audience so that it is a comedic experience as opposed to... And that works for a lot of guys. Yeah. It's never worked for me. And I have sold out, and I've done festivals, and I've done stand-up on TV, and I'm happy with those opportunities. But if I were to be honest, then and now, I wasn't really pushing myself, and I drank the cool kids' Kool-Aid of what L.A. does, or did to me. Yeah. When I first moved here, of all these kind of comedic social scenes, and does this group accept you, and yes, do these dude. executives think you're cool, and you know, I and and I diluted my act and my sensibilities and my drive till I was just totally fucking rudderless, and then you know, my dramatic writing and stuff that I was doing at the exact same time, for whatever reason, just seemed a little bit more clear to me. But this comedy, because it was all the way back to my childhood, was so fucking precious. I just pulled it off the table. I just took it back. And I'm like, this doesn't come. And I, I kept doing it, but I was just doing it away from everybody until I could get to the place where I was doing what I wanted to do to really entertain the audience, but in a way that I felt comfortable with. It was rewarding for me and then rewarding for them. Because if it is rewarding for you, it's going to reward them anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. they can see that you are meaning what you're saying and it's coming from a place of your reality. And self-indulgent of like, no, guys, no, no. this is about me. It's really about the audience, but I want to deliver the best product that actually means something to me. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to, here's a funny joke I wrote. Like, right. here, I'll give you an example. This is a joke that I wrote last night that probably won't go in the act, and, I, and I'll tell you why after. So in my bedroom, on the back of the door is a uh, mirror that runs the full length of the door. I was naked coming out of the shower, <laughs> I threw a sock into the hamper. I missed. I bent over to pick it up. I thought someone was coming into the door. I turned around. No one was coming into the door, but I got to see my asshole asshole. (laughs) for the first time in a decade. And it looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. (laughs) Fuck. Oh, why won't that go in the act? He just doesn't that's, want to talk about his butthole. That's, that's you're not, reality. Not, you're not so, ready. You're not ready. I so, believe that happened. So, but that's a joke. 
That is just a straight yeah, setup yeah, yeah, punchline yeah, joke. Yes. It doesn't hang in a narrative. It doesn't. If I look at that joke now with doing stand up for a really long time, if it doesn't drive the narrative forward and fill into a larger space, then it doesn't. It's funny, but it just doesn't belong in the act. Yeah. I would have forced it in before. And so it would have been this jagged hour of, an, of 70% of human moments that were set up punchline, but in a narrative. And then 30% time filler. Yeah. Well, here's what I think. Uh, I think if you were quick with it and it was almost like a throwaway and you said it in the middle, like if you were talking about getting old or whatever, you know, uh, you know, talking about a chunk of your life or who you are now. Well, exactly. But that's it. It had must, it must lean into that or but, it doesn't yeah, belong. Well, that's it. Yeah. Don't yeah. make, don't make it a standalone thing. But if you just throw it away, like, I mean, Jesus, my body, fuck, just bent From over. 20 to 25, just the idea of an asshole for the male of all shit jokes and everything is such an important thing in your life. Yeah. And then also seeing an asshole <laughs> when you're in the midst of sex is mind blowing. And there's no, and every guy thinks somehow, some way, there's going to be a sneak attack on the uh, on, your own? on the asshole. No, <laughs> on that's just as simple as a pinky tap. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, no. But every guy has been like, I'm just going to slide this in, and no, no, you're not. Way. Yeah, there's no. <laughs> See how like, this all yeah, plays just out. Just walk in Fort Knox and grab a, Here's a fucking brick of <laughs> brick of gold. But I'll you tell know? you what, if it does slide in, you're like, uh-oh, that was that went in way too easy. <laughs> no That's, reaction. Uh, yeah, that happened to me once. I was like, what, what, wait, whoa, whoa. What? Sheboygan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Wisconsin. Brat stop. The, uh... <laughs> Say brat stop? <laughs> yeah. Brat stop. <laughs> you know, if you're from the Midwest. Sure. <laughs> the Yeah, Tom Clark, actually, Double as you know, I, I live with Clark, you know, when I moved out of yeah, here, yeah. And, which is how I met you. And that's when you first, we were fresh off the boat. We were yeah. all, we were the Migos. But I remember him saying to me, and I, it was it was something that he, w- he had learned from somewhere else. And that one of the things that, as I was trying to develop as a comedian and find my voice, that he had said, he goes, listen, you're, you're going to write a lot of really good jokes. But sometimes you're going to have to get rid of those good jokes if you really want to have something to say on stage. And it really always stuck with me because, you know, Tom... He's not a storyteller per se. I mean, Tom has a very specific way of doing stand-up comedy. So it was it was interesting to hear somebody who you see as a joke teller, yeah. right? As a character telling jokes, not not developing a story, if you will, to actually say sometimes you're going to have to remove a really funny joke from your set and you're going to have to deal with that. And he's right because there were jokes over time as I moved into becoming more of a storyteller and just talking about my life that I would get rid of and people would come up to me afterwards like other comics be like, how can you don't tell that one joke? It's really funny. I don't, know, I don't know why you would just get rid of that. I'd be like, because it doesn't... doesn't do anything. I have no... It doesn't serve any purpose to me anymore. And it's like, that's the hardest part of the journey. And where I stopped having fear about that is a friend of mine who's not a stand-up had turned me on to Richard Pryor's first uh, live recording. And I was, I was not a Richard Pryor fan growing up. So I was really excited. Like now I'm like, okay. Oh, this is the San Francisco coffee shop one that was like the bootleg tape. Yes. Yeah. And I listened to it, and what I really found interesting, it was very raw. Like it wasn't, it wasn't refined, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't in front of fifteen thousand fucking people, and and not everything was nonstop laughter. And I was like. Oh, and shit, there were is... they were sad stories. Yes, he hadn't fought. It was prior con- pre around prior convictions before he made that funny. But you see the you understand. It was what I got out of it was I go I get it now. I understand what what the journey is, and yeah. it's a personal journey. It doesn't matter what John does. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what I do to you. It's your personal journey, and that's when I started really loving. The, the idea of doing stand-up was when I when it was no longer about who went up before me, who went up after me, or, or anything else. Yeah. It was my personal journey, and I was going to share it, and I was either going to succeed or fail on, the, on that, that concept. And that's what I got out of that Richard Pryor you know, album. Yeah. yeah, no, it was great. 
That's awesome. And I so mean, when I hear you say that, I'm like, okay, so you're dialed in like that. You're you're kind of like coming from that same world of like you kind of get that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I went up last night. I did twenty like a twenty minute set, closing uh, flappers in Burbank, and I got the light, and I was halfway through what I had written down to do. The hardest part, also, right when you're getting in, when you're developing something, yeah, because then you feel like, oh shit, now I got to cut this shit back. Yeah, which yeah. is still part of the process. Part of the process, but, but I listened, which I normally, you know, all of the grown up things that I'm finally getting around to, being diligent about listening to the sets repeatedly, taking notes, like really, like not doing it enough to do it good but trying to push and make it great mm-hmm. for me, like you said, not great for the executives, not great for my peers. But when you, but when making it's great it as for good. you, you and I just did a set the other night, man. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's together all. on stage. What do you, what do we, you guys we, go we're by? A t- we're you guys go team. by split and lip. We're a, we're a duo. <laughs> the Rayfields. <laughs> um, the Rayfields. Uh, no, we did a, uh, we did a, uh, like a sober house. We have a, a mutual guy. I think I met him through doing your shows yeah. at the, at the um, Radford Radford. Yeah. Which were, fuck, God, I love those shows. Um, but yeah, it was like a, kind of an AA audience. But mm-hmm. the, uh, I, I personally, when I, I used to tell a lot more alcohol and drug jokes, but um, I remember the first time I did an AA room, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, also all my materials about cocaine and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is going to be, I don't know how this is going to go. And they fucking love it because as, as, as rock bottom as I've ever been, dude, they've dug holes way deeper. Do you know what I mean? Those guys, they've seen everything. They've been, I mean... Like if I, any story I told you, you'd go, ah, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> my grandpa died in my arms while my cousin was shooting up in the, and I'd be like, oh yeah, whoops, yeah. <laughs> I just like getting hammered. <laughs> Sorry, um, but but those audiences were there are fantastic. They're, they're and, my favorite, and, and, and they're super nice people. And and I feel I feel a little bad because like a lot of guys will get up there like like you. Did you go through AA? I I can neither confirm nor deny that as it is an oh, anonymous, anonymous program. Sorry, right, right. My <laughs> is bad. it anymore? Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't treat it as such, which is interesting to me. But I guess that's kind of okay because it it's removing a lot of the shame, unless the shame is the power. I don't know. But I notice I, that I, more people are open I, about it now. I am in a twelve step program that yeah. requires anonymity. Yeah. If that okay. answers your question. Uh, but 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 comics <laughs> drop it. Huck. On, on, no, but on these sober <laughs> no, shows, the reason why I answer your question is is if I was on here hypothetically going, hey, hey, say my. And then I drank, then people, the uninformed, would go, Oh, I guess AA doesn't work. When really it was me that put the drink in my mouth. Yeah, of course. Right. So, well, well, you say a that, normal that's, human being yeah. that's got a brain would know that. Yeah. So, plus two, there's, a, there's, a, there's an aspect of humility of just saying, you know, that this is a service oriented thing as opposed to going, I'm sober now and I'm the fucking best. Right. You know? right, 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 <laughs> so right. I'm acting just like everybody else is but, and should have been all along. Someone give me a fucking cookie. Right. <laughs> But there are a lot of comics that when they go up, they'll say, you know, I'm so-and-so and, and I'm an alcoholic or whatever. And then, and then I, they have drinks? No. No, I'm oh, saying okay. at these sober shows. And then like when I'm backstage, a lot of other comics are like, oh, hey, are you in the program? I'm like, no. Like, I have- I'm high right now, motherfucker. No, not like that. But I mean, I, I, I yeah. kind of felt like we- I was like, shit, no, I'm not. But I had a conversation with, uh, I guess he's a pr- fairly reputable, famous comic or whatever. But he is in the program. And he was like, yeah, oh, you're not? And I go, no. And he goes... Oh, you're lucky. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you, you drink? I go, yeah, sometimes, man. It's not, I don't, he's like, well, you know, you're lucky. Like, meaning it's not always like that for people. Like, I can go, I got drunk last night. I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink tomorrow. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I don't yeah. have to have it every day, all the Ooh. time. And uh, some people do. So it's, it's. I love drinking all the time. But I've come to a place I now can, where. I can, can uh, I, I've, I've been you, there. Yeah, because you were sitting. I spent you, a lot you, of nights. <laughs> 
with drunk men. Six, going no, going out with. Let me tell you something. I, I I'm one of those guys that because I was I six months. Of, I drank for six months out here, and you saw that. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I was with you for the first six months yeah. you were out here. The uh, because <laughs> uh, uh, you got you and Tom are rep by the same person. So at that, that so that so basically you were kind of like Tom was. I don't. Did you know Tom before you moved out? Yeah, I'd seen Tom in Chicago. I'd put Tom up at the Chicago shows that that's I was right, producing. You ran the show. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. Where, what, where was that show? What was that called? That was a uh, Clips, and then uh, Morseland Music Room, and uh, yeah, every what, show, what, every, every what, show that I had. I mean, we started in '96, I think. Oof. Okay. Wow. Okay. Before we, because I mean, you such a story of your life. You could go on for hours here. So let's just kind of get to a couple of the, yeah, yeah. the clip notes. I'm we now know that uh, we we've got the history that your mom is no longer alive, unfortunately. Correct, yeah. How long ago was this? It might be good for her. Three years ago. Three years ago. Okay, yeah. so not that long ago. That's yeah, yeah. pretty and, recent. And, okay, and you're saying that she ultimately ended up marrying someone that turned into a woman? Is that what you're saying? No, or, no, or? was misrepresented. She got catfished, and then they fell in love, and uh, it, it, you're going to have to. He, I, it's I don't such even, an insane story, dude. <laughs> I know you're talking can, about recovery. Give, I barely even know see? the names of narcotics. <laughs> I, I maybe have some she, drinks uh, at the time, but I don't know. She, was on, to, she met a guy online in 2000, and... When would this be? 2001. When the internet was like brand new. Yeah, it's 2001. And uh, we met this person online. They'd instant message. They'd talk on the phone. They never actually met. So my mom robs a bank with the plan of going and showing up on this guy's doorstep in Florida. She gets arrested. The guy calls my uncle, her brother, and says, listen, um, you know, you're... I'm in love with your sister, but I think she has some problems. And my uncle's like, you think? <laughs> no You fucking shit. think she's in j- jail right now. For confirmed, that. confirmed. <laughs> so... This guy goes, I have something that uh, I would like to tell her, but I think if I tell her, she's really going to be mad at me. So I'm hoping maybe you could tell her and maybe she won't be so mad. Somebody goes, what is it? And this guy goes, I'm actually a woman. <laughs> An actual woman or a man that turned into a woman? No, she's a real woman was that always was posing a woman. Okay. as a man. Okay, all right, okay. And she, and he says, she says, uh, do you think your sister's going to be mad? <laughs> Continue. It's my, it's my uncle. It's like, no, uh, I'm, not, I'm playing the role of your yeah, uncle right yeah, now. Yeah, Continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. My uncle is like, uh, and I say this all the time, the Irish do not have family members. They just have sparring partners. <laughs> <laughs> There's never a fight, but the training never ends. All right. So my uncle was like, I cannot fucking wait to tell my sister this. <laughs> like just combative Irish fucking sibling rivalry. It is a great story to run to tell someone. Yeah. Oh my right? God. No matter how, what, your, what your feelings are about that person, that, that knowledge is like, seriously, oh, right? Races to the prison. Mom, stone-faced, leaves. Next day, makes a shiv out of a toothbrush and just anybody with a vowel at the end of their name, Italian, just gets a fucking pokeski. Causes a full-on prison riot. They put her in five-point restraints, throw her on a plane, get, their, get the fuck out of that prison. And s- Please tell me they didn't move her to Florida. Like, that was That's all part exactly of the exactly where they fucking moved her. <laughs> <laughs> they moved her to Florida. We're not going down to see her. The guy starts showing up. Mom won't see her. The guy. The, guy, the, guy. the, 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 the woman, woman. The woman. I'm sorry. The woman. The woman starts showing up. So then... <laughs> Jesus, even you can't get the goddamn <laughs> the woman, story the straight. so show- fucked up. The woman starts start showing up. <laughs> My mom, uh, you know, they start having a relationship. My mom gets out. She does the halfway. Don't, don't gloss over the second part. Oh, they I get, get it. She, hold No, no, no. <laughs> you need to understand what's coming it's out love, of your mouth. Dude. You, you just said <laughs> your mom was having an internet relationship with a man yeah. who tells your uncle that it's a woman. Yeah. Your uncle runs to tell your mom that it's a woman instead of a man. Yes. First, she, first she robs the bank the, to get the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can skip she that Sheboygan. Yeah. She she makes a tool of Brad, she stop. immediately she immediately creates a weapon 
Yeah. Creates an all-out brawl inside of a prison. Shims everybody. Yeah. Ends up in fucking Florida, miraculously, a lot closer to this person that is not a man that she knows about, which caused her to fucking create a riot in a prison. Yeah, and rob a bank. And then you'd say, so now they're going out. <laughs> yeah. As if, yeah, of course they are. Hey, what the fuck? Love she will just find a way, yeah, baby. She just love showed up will find and they a way. did, uh, you know, they started talking and visiting and the whole thing and a real relationship found started. And when my mom did uh, her parole in her halfway house, spent the last, moved back down to Florida and spent the last 11 years of her life uh, in a committed gay relationship. Hey, see? Look at that. It took her a long time, but she found somebody she actually is going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there it is. That's it. That's quite a fucking story. So now, did you have a relationship with your mom during this whole time, per se? No, Were you more I like actually, pen pals, getting no, to the no, communication? No, 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 no. I, um, you know, I had basically... Uh, Are you a sh- disowner? Sh- well, the last time I really saw her, I had seen her a couple times over my uncle's place. I shook her down for a pool cue once when I was 18. I was hustling pool. And um, was embarrassed by that behavior. And one of the things I, one of the requirements of my sobriety is making amends to people okay. that I had wronged. And so I had written her a letter in Florida and said, uh, Hey, I, you know, I, uh, I remember I did this and it was $300. Here's the $300 plus interest accrued over the time that it happened. I, I hear you're in and out of your own sobriety. And I said, You know, now that I'm sober, looking back, I can't imagine how. Um, hard it must have been suffering with mental illness and, and drug addiction to raise a child. I want you to know that I hold no ill will towards you at all. And I have forgiven you for whatever that may mean to you for absolutely everything. I wish you nothing but a beautiful, peace and joy filled life. Here's the check for the pool cue and some pictures of your grandkids. But just right now, I don't feel like, you know, us talking is going to do anything. Let's not for develop a relationship. Exactly. And- so, but, 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 but for what it's worth, here's this, this letter and, and best of luck to everything. So was it. Okay. So you never heard back and all that kind of stuff. We no. kind of were saying, Hey, you don't have to contact. You know, me, to be honest, she called once when I was on a beach with my kids and I sent it to voicemail. Yeah. And I always regret that, that I would, could have picked up and talked to her and see what's what. Cause that she was coming towards the end. Then. Okay. Yeah. So but, you still have to live with that little bit of a, that, a thing. That and about a thousand other. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so right, city so. got canceled. Um, can, we talk about, can we talk about your writing career? Not yet. Not yet. I want to go back for a second because it's it, one of the. Th- yeah, I can't believe. Can we? Can we let's take. Yeah. We have to, we have to stop for a second. What? If no, we, no, no, if, no, if, no, no. We have to stop. We have to do a technology stop. Uh, yeah, tech stop. Because I I uh, showed stop. up to do that show we did the other night, and uh, I looked over, and Mick is. Um, making a phone phone call, which I haven't yeah. seen in a while. Maybe or maybe not. Uh, yeah, maybe or Next maybe not. Stop. And he's got uh, a he's flip got, phone. Well, no, that's what can, candy comes out of that thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, you actually that's don't. You got that's that the best thing I did. I traded in my iPhone 6. I got at least two hours of my day back. I've been three plus months into the flip phone. Cost me a penny. All it does is make calls and texts. I check Ridic- my email well, three times a day. kind of. Yeah, makes, makes calls. It's, yeah, well, yeah, he no, sent me Texas a blurry picture of myself. Yeah, and uh, it's been amazing. I've, I've my productivity, my capacity to remain um, focused and to actually concentrate for a prolonged period of time is it's like coming out of a fucking fog. Be honest. Yeah, you got the flip phone and you spent the rest of the time driving around with your flip phone looking for a computer to get on. To- no. Okay. No, no. You also don't have internet at your office. Is that correct? Correct. Well, and, Time Warner just blanketed the fucking city, so now I have I have a program on my computer, my laptop called Freedom, 
and uh, I can block the internet while I'm there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you do that intentionally because otherwise you're easily distracted and you're moving on. I'm totally easily distracted because like, you know, as we were talking, like I do stand up. I just shot a um, uh, comedy short film that wound up on the front page of Funny or Die, which I'm super excited about. So get if out. you go on Funny or Die, look at uh, get look up, up Chicago Santa. Don't do it. Don't, oh, yeah, don't Chicago you. Santa, guys. Yeah, we'll get it at the end. We'll get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out. No, but the reason why I say that Back is... Back to the sad shit. Is, uh, Jeez, it's positive. And I'm working it's on some positive. sad TV. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Well, you, But you I know. have to prioritize that. And yeah. if I'm online, I'll go, oh, maybe I'll just promote some shows and but under the delusion that that's what I'm doing. And then I'm on Twitter and... You've been around long enough. I... You definitely, because obviously you came around about the same time I did. I will tell you that the weirdest dynamic of of stand up now is going to it, and every every comic is on their fucking smartphone the whole. There's no talking. It's every they just sit there on their smartphone. It's their turn to go up. Yeah, they go up and then they get right back on their smart. It's weird because you remember back in the day it was all social. I'm not saying that there's not no, socializing it was the, going on. You had to be. The, what happened is you had a notebook. You, That's you, it. You had a notebook which I brought to the show last night, and the best part is. Somehow, some way, people would start making fun of you in the green room for whatever reason. Yeah. It wasn't malicious. You I mean, were just the fucking just target. Mics, yeah. wherever you were. You know? Yes, but then you had to fucking crawl your way out with jokes and somehow get the stink on another comic around yeah. you. And then everyone jumped right. on that, and you just got your chops going. Yeah, and everyone was laughing. It was a social scene. It was really, really funny. You had to go. And do someone else's bit because you couldn't see it on YouTube. So you'd say, listen, I was working Milwaukee and there was this kid, Rob Baxter. Has anyone heard Rob Baxter? And they go, no, no. And you'd go, so he's got the bits like there's a guy and he's in the trunk and he's got a sword. And you would have to do the other person's bit. Yeah. And then they go, oh, that's Baxter. I know. And then this. And then so it's weird like you, there was an ownership of the scene in a way that there's really not now because... You're not in it. You're just it's it's something else. It's this weird cloud like thing, which is fine. That's technology and yeah, that's evolution. Yeah, exactly. It's whatever. But for me, I got a chance to talk to people last night. I had human interactions. I don't have a smartphone to disappear into. And it was great. So all of my reactions that I have with people, even at work, I'm like, if you're gonna email me, call me. The conversation will take twenty seconds. We're gonna connect. We'll get a chance to connect during the day, and you just give me the heads up, no texts. And so now when I left the show that just got canceled, I had an actual legitimate personal relationship with the crew that most people don't because they just dealt in texts. Right. Um, my, but here's my thing with no internet at your office. And I, now I say you can have it, but you can block it if you want. But the writing you do, because you've written on uh, like a lot of, I don't want, they're not procedural, but they're cop dramas. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. to me, if I was writing something like that, I always need to reference I'd need to go online to like research shit that made sense. Like I wasn't writing nonsense. No, you had people that do that. The, but the most oh, important really? thing is the story and the emotional drive of the characters. And, and I'll even put in like cop shit, cop shit, cop shit as the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll call the consultant and be like, what would they say here? Oh, what would they say here? And okay. then they'll, and they'll he just go, goes, hey, yeah. that's a 1092-46894. And I'll go, yeah. beep, boop, boop, boop. Yeah. You know? So it's so so <laughs> that's fantastic. I, I didn't even think about that. I assumed that you had to, as the writer, put no, all that. And in. Shonda Rhimes, when they do Grey's Anatomy, if you look at the script, it just says medical, medical, medical. Oh my god! And then they'll throw in the medical. The pros, later. the yeah. pros. Because the that was always like, God, whoever writes ER, man, that's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> well, it is still a lot of work for it's somebody. A lot, it's a lot of work, but then at the same time, like, yeah, we got this medical paragraph, and then they call a consultant. He's like, oh yeah, that's it. You want five bags of saline? And yeah, and, yeah, and, and they just drop it right in. That's yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's Which good. is funny, you know, because with, with Mick, when I first met him, obviously it was odd. It, 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 going back to what I was going to say when you came out here, like my favorite line was uh, when you would go out to, with Mick was, where's Mick? <laughs> like, oh, God. Every night. Oh, God, where's Mick? Here's the thing, because he wasn't, you're, you weren't an angry drunk. He was the guy that basically would throw the fucking credit card down at the bar, 
open tab, and then a couple hours go by, and you're like, I don't know where the guy that I came with. I have no fucking idea where he is. And then the next day, about noon, two, he'd be like, hey, guys, woo! He'd just show up back at your place. You'd be like, uh, okay. Where did you go? And it was just it was just like this recurring thing for a while. And then it's just eventually, I, th- I can't remember where it was the one time, I think you missed, Clark had to be sent out to a car to knock on the window because you wouldn't get up and you missed something important or something. I think that was the beginning of like the, the shit where you, I can't remember what it was, but. Well, I, yeah, I, I slept in the, I mean, when I moved out here, I didn't have a place to live. So I lived on, um. Our mutual manager, that's who it was. We yeah, had the similar yeah, manager, yes. and I lived on that manager's Stu. sofa. And then for like two weeks, and then I had a rented Kia. And he's like, dude, you can't live here anymore. So I'm like, all right. Uh, and I lived in the Kia Monday, th- or no, I lived on my friend's floor Monday through Friday, and then I slept in the Kia on the weekends. And you you were wow. already married. Yeah. Whoa, and what? I can't remember. Did you, yeah. you were already married at this but point? But she did not but move out did, with yeah, you initially. And you had a child at this time, no? No, no, no. Our okay, child all was born, born in 2003. 2003, okay. Three, yeah. So you married already. and she Her job was cool. They gave She was a travel agent. They gave her 10 round-trip tickets in order to keep her for another six months because she was really good at what she was doing to find a, a legitimate replacement. So they gave 10 round-trip tickets that I could fly back and forth or she could fly right. out. And uh, then after six months, how I, did she enjoy living in the Kia when she was visiting? No, I finally found a place yeah, around okay. five no months, and then I uh, think you felt like you needed to get your shit together because your wife was coming. I think there was definitely something there. Well, yeah, where I knew like I tried you, to get sober in Chicago. Yeah, I went to meetings and it just I couldn't do it. And then like, but I mean, would you agree with me in the fact that you know you don't want to let you 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 love your wife and yeah. you, and now and and now you've got this beautiful family and and I always felt like. The clock was ticking on you with the fact that she's coming. And you know, you, I was you, would, you would openly I was say, I don't want to be a fuck up with my wife out here. Yeah, like, yeah. I love this woman. I don't yeah. want to have her show up and I'm fucking, hey. What, no, what, I was, I was hurtling. I was the guy on? that was hurtling towards death. Like, there's no, yeah. there was no, People like, you, you had drink. one speed. I definitely couldn't fucking keep up with you. Yeah. I was just like, this guy's fucking on fire. <laughs> but but but, but you were great at running shows. We ran that, remember we ran that show? It was like in a soundstage yeah, or something. Sound with, uh, Etheridge, yeah, yeah. What in Chicago was your 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 kind of I'm gonna I gotta get sober like what what triggered it? My wife like I'm gonna leave you. I didn't sign up to marry a fucking alcoholic. Like I was so paranoid about repeating the behavior in uh, my house that I had seen as a child. Yeah, that I would go out and like you said. So my disappear. mo was I would just disappear and and delusionally think, well at least there's no wreckage in my house. At least she's not seeing me fall down, waking up in alleys next to dumpsters, you know, because I would just wake up and I'd be outside. Yeah, I've had that a and lot. And just be like, get up like nothing happened. And I've kind no of brushed yourself up. You start randomly walking and like, I hope this is the right fucking way. And then find a payphone. Where's my like, wallet? Where's my credit card? All, all Which bar did I leave shit at? All of it, man. Where did I park? Like, you know, someone yeah. could have killed you. Yeah. You know, you look back now. I just. Full disease, full alcoholism, full powerlessness, just horrible, horrific way of fucking what, living. Were you a uh, drinker before you went on stage? Yeah. So Okay, so what was it like when you finally were like, you took the stage sober? Were you freaked out or were you like, whatever? You're, you're, was, that muscle was, was already to, It was tough to be uh, away. It was tough to be conscious and alive uh, on a Tuesday at 345. You know, like all of it was yeah. new to me. Like, how do you get into an argument? And and even though I wasn't like, in my brain, I didn't think I was drinking at anything. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right, I wasn't right. like, fuck you, I'll show you. Like, yeah. it wasn't like, that wasn't really that guy. 
but I didn't understand what alcoholism was. I just didn't understand the disease aspect of it and how it affects your thinking and feeling and all that shit. I was just totally unaware that it that the alcohol is actually just a symptom of a larger problem. Problem. Yeah. And I didn't understand. I had never looked at any of those other problems. I had just looked at oh wow, I drink a lot. So it was like yeah, mind not, blowing to me that I was coming in, yeah, the, totally the wrong way right. and uninformed and trying to do the, going. I'm gonna not drink. And then drink again and be like, what the fuck? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to drink. Yeah, starting now. Yeah, yeah. Look, 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 yeah, starting, yeah, starting now. After this yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, towards the end, I was drinking about uh, whatever that skinny bottle of Bombay Sapphire is, Ugh. you know, whatever that, whatever size that is. <laughs> yeah, I would drink one of those and about half to a full bottle of tequila a day. Holy fuck. I well, there it is. <laughs> no, so I, I, this no is a, bueno with three packs of Marlboro Reds a day. So good. That, that is the fucking uh, Okay, that's where you're really going to get on his, backwood, <laughs> on his backwood smokes. How can anything that yeah, tastes no, so was, mild no, be no, so no, wild? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, did you just see a billboard? What was that? Like, come on. That was one how, of the catchiest. How can anything so, mild, how can anything so wild taste, taste so, so mild? Yeah. New backwood smokes. Wasn't the woman with the lasso would lasso the oh, guy because yeah. he was so awesome smoking cigarettes? Hams, the beer refreshing. Oh, hams, dude. <laughs> From the land of sky blue waters. Um, your first again, I'm not I'm not gonna refer to IMDB. I'm gonna try to go off my memory of my life with you, but I remember you I believe your first was it the Black Donnellys? Is that where you kind of started getting your chops in the in the in the, the drama writing, world? The drama my first world, stand up right? on TV was late Friday. Hosted by uh, Kevin Meany. Oh wow! That was the one where they they built it in that it was in a studio, is a stage, right? Yeah, yeah. It was really weird. Yeah. I mean, it was a very bizarre. Like I'm from right Boston. Yeah. yeah, you're right. not right. Yeah, that's, that's not, not right. right. That's, that's not, not right. right. <laughs> I know we're kind of like way skating, but just for the sake of time, I don't want to run out of time to get yeah. some of your your background. So, how does one go from being a stand up? To all of a sudden convincing somebody, no, I can be a writer on this show, The I'm Black a, Donnellys. I'm a, Regardless I'm a drama of the fact writer that now. you're Mick Bentoncourt, it's got to be more than that. So kind of no, take us like, through this journey of how well, you and I you came out here that. at a similar time, and it was a very um, myopic time, I guess, in the entertainment business, at least in my experience. So if you did stand up comedy, you never told anybody you wanted to be a dramatic writer, even if you were a comedian. And you did improv. You didn't tell the improv people that you were doing stand-up because yeah. even those communities hated each other. Yeah. So like when I came out here, um, I wanted to write. I wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to act. I wanted to, I wanted to do all these things, but it didn't seem like you could – like that seemed like pandering. Right. Like I'll do whatever you guys will let me do. Right. And, but I didn't feel that way. I felt like I could actually – because I had shot shorts in Chicago. I had produced shows. I had acted dramatically. Like I had done those things, and I wanted to continue to do those things. So – I would very craftily and secretively, I guess, do stand-up, and then I would go audition for dramatic shows, and then I would audition for half-hour shows, and then I would be writing dramatic scripts during the day at the coffee shop. And uh, I booked a pilot on CBS as an actor playing one of the bad guys. On set, I met the co-creator of that particular show, and we just started talking about writers and why one-hour drama suck that are just bodies of the week and no stories and no characters, and we just created a relationship. And about uh, the show never went, and like six months later, uh, you know, all the money was gone, all the credit cards were maxed out, and I thought, you know, I have an idea for a show. Um, I have to be very specific about 
my time here because the clock's ticking and I must just work on things that I feel are going to bear fruit. So I called this guy and I said, listen, man, as a comedian, what happens sometimes is a com- comic will ask you to come out and watch him or her do a set. He or she will do a set, come off the stage. They just bombed and they will look at you and they will go, how fucking great was that? And they'll be totally disconnected from their own reality. That's my phobia to be that way, to be super passionate about something and not- that's fucking horrible. Right. <laughs> So I said, that being said to this guy named Vincent No, uh, who's a writer, I said, I want to tell you this idea I have for a drama show, and then you tell me whether I'm being delusional or whether I should actually commit my time and do that, because I'm my back's against the wall here, and I got to be very particular yeah. about what and I'm choosing. Yeah, just start writing up fucking yeah. treatments and exactly. pilots and shit. Just deluding myself and getting nothing done yeah. that's moving the pieces forward. So you go, I tell him, and he goes, fuck, I'll go out with you with that. And I go, I don't even know what that means. He goes, we'll go out. <laughs> we're on a date now. We're we going goes, on a date. Uh, yeah, he goes, we'll pitch it together. We'll pitch it. I have a, um, a, a production company, a deal at a production company that has a deal at a studio, that, which goes to CBS. So let's develop a pitch. And if my production company likes it, we'll bring it to Paramount. And if Paramount likes it, we'll go in and we'll pitch it to CBS. So we developed the pitch. It's all new to me. These guys being super cool and supportive. Uh, we bring it into the production company. They like it. We bring it into Paramount. They give us a couple notes. They like it. We go into – the pitch is set up to go in and bring it to CBS. Now, here's what happens when you go to pitch a network or, or anybody that can buy. You negotiate everything before the pitch because the last thing the buyer wants is to get super excited about something and right. then have to negotiate. Right. So everything's negotiated beforehand. So – I know going in that there's $136,000 on the line that's going to be chopped in half. That's what I know is at stake. I have... Uh, Meaning split between you and the other... And split Vincent. between me and the other guy. And at this point, my son is two at this time. Okay. Wow. So... so two, 2000... Well, when are we talking here? 2005. Okay. 2005. So... The morning of the pitch, I wake up. We have a, a 1994 Chevy Cavalier that we put on a rail from Chicago because it wouldn't have made the drive, which has one hubcap and is covered in rust. So I go out. I'm living by Sepulveda and Magnolia. The pitch is at CBS Pico, which is, for those listening, it's on the other side of the hill. It's about maybe 35-minute drive. I go to start the car. Oh God. There's no gas in the car. Wow, motherfucker. <laughs> so I run inside and I tell my wife, there's no gas in the car. She goes, what the fuck? Am I? What, am I'm not a gas there's station. No, there's no money. Like, there's none in the house goes, either, this dude. Is it. This is, there's no- so you ran to this meeting. We look through all, there, we, there's nothing to look for in the sofas. All of the credit cards are maxed out. There's zero balances, negative balances and all the things. And I'm like, it cannot be fourth and 40 and no one can find the ball. Like, this is yeah. insane. This is ridiculous. So we start tearing apart this. She goes, there might be one card that I never activated. I think I was just thinking about I go, well, let's look for that. So we tear the closets apart, the clothes, the dressers. We have this two-drawer file cabinet. We take all the files out, and in between two of the files was a card with an 800 number on it. To activate for activation. And I call it. They go, we sent you that card like three years ago. I go, you, I go I'm going to a job interview. I go, you need to put $20 on this card so that I can go to the Shell Station in the corner of Sepulveda and Burbank. Look it up on the internet. Uh, that's where I'm going. She goes, you got $20 on this, and that's it. Puts $20 on it. Well, I, first of all, good for her, because she could have gone, you're a shit out of luck, Oh, yeah, buddy. I know. Click. Race over, fill it up, fly over the hill. I'm kind of late. I'm running. We go in. We pitch. And uh, we come out. We're by the elevators. 
And uh, David Zucker, the guy who was from the production company, goes, you know what? Let me just go back in and just thank him again for hearing the pitch and just see. So he goes back in, he comes out and he goes, hey, congratulations. And I go, they they like it? He goes, oh, no, they bought it. And I just remember like someone grabbing me by the throat and I just wanted to cry. And I just was chewing the inside of my cheek going, just fucking act like you've been here, man. Act like you've been here. And so I'm like, all right, guys, that's great. And everyone kind of hugged me. All right, we'll talk about, you know, putting the uh, story area together and uh, good job, everybody. You're like, whatever this means, when does the money go to the bank account? (laughs) So we all walk out, we're in the parking lot and, you know, there's no cell phone. Everything's been shut off and uh, except for the home phone. I sprint to the farmer's market because I knew that there were pay phones in the back and I call my wife collect and I'm like they bought it they bought it they bought it and she's crying and I'm crying so then that was my entry into that is a, first of all amazing <laughs> and not normal if you're listening to this like most people you write something you pitch it they oh, I think you rejected. meant most people actually have a credit card that no gets no <laughs> most people have money no meaning <laughs> meaning when you pitch something you write something you put that much time into it you can still be rejected almost immediately and, and usually they tell you your first fucking 10 things aren't gonna go you just have to keep writing and keep writing yeah yeah the first idea you had for a drama was the Black Donnelly's no 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 oh, no. no so what happened is so I, I uh, we wrote this and Vince was very uh, um uh, patient with me, and we wrote a great script, and it was well received. They decided not to make it, so they passed. Which but was they, great. but they, you still get that money. I still got the check. That's what so, matters. You know, after you take well, the commissions for, out for right now in his life, that's what matters. It mattered. It it got uh, and confidence it, after taxes and commissions. It wound up being about thirty thousand, which got us out of some debt, and um, because we co-wrote it, in order for me to uh, have a foothold in the drama business, I needed to write a spec script that was just me. Yeah, because we co-wrote it. So I did write a spec script, because I know we're short on time. That's a whole other story. Um, and I didn't work for another year and a half. I just didn't staff up. I, there were no opportunities, and I thought, well, that's a fluke. So now I was right back to zero. All the cards maxed out of again. Course. Everything's horrible. I go to Pr- Priscilla's Coffee in. Burbank, and I meet Bobby Moresco, who was the co-creator of the Black Donnellys with Paul Haggis, for a staffing meeting to get hired on the Black Donnellys because that's how it works. They'll usually they read your script first. Sometimes they meet with you first. So I meet Bobby Moresco. I'm a year and a half haven't worked. I was working at Starbucks um, and trying to do you know doing stand up for free at night and writing and just trying to create opportunities, all of which had failed. My wife was working at the uh, front desk of a hotel in Santa Monica. So I go to meet Moresco. I was a teamster and a truck driver in Chicago. Moresco was a teamster in New York and were construction for 30 years. Like all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Like this is a normal guy. This isn't like a Harvard guy. That this, has is a, a higher this is a guy I'd go out for beers with if I was struggling still to understand. Yeah. Just understand me on a human level, you know? So at the end of the meeting, Moresco goes, because this show had already been picked up for 13. So it's not like a, a check. It's a weekly paycheck. Right. He goes, kid, if you write like you talk, I'm going to hire you. And I said, well, I'm looking forward to you reading my writing, man, because I, I stand behind it and I think you're going to like it. He goes, all right, cool. So we leave. I leave. He hires me. UTA calls my agent and goes, congrats, you got the gig. I go, what does that mean? They go, you're guaranteed 13 episodes, so you'll be making $20,000 a month for at least uh, seven months. Beautiful. And I go, fuck yes. I hang up the uh, phone, and I race to my wife's work. And I go, tell them you're done. 
<laughs> it was my officer and a gentleman moment. Look She's like, that. what? I go, tell him you're done. I got the gig. The money's guaranteed. It's a lock. Even if the show gets canceled before, then it's a lock. Tell him you're done. So she's like, all right. She walks into the back. Fuck off. I'm out of like, here. Here we go. My husband's and a writer now. <laughs> Dude. And that's been the ride, man, for the last now 10 or 11 years. So take me, but so quickly take me through the show. So Black Donnelly's. Uh, it was Black Donnelly's Law and Order SVU, Detroit yeah. 187. Which was great, by the way. Yeah, that was a great show. Um, Detroit 187. Steel Wheels or Wheel? Breakout Kings. Oh, Breakout Kings. Uh, I was Mo- bummed when that got canceled. Mob Doctor, Necessary Roughness, um, Ironside, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, um, and Wicked City. And then I sold two other, so I've sold three total shows to network television. Recently, or these are just during that time? Last year, I sold a com- uh, show called The Rinse based on a boom comic book. That's the last thing. And this year, I'm really, I've been working my ass off and I've got some stuff I'm super excited about. And all this from. Right, but it's still in the works, meaning still that the works. nothing has, nothing No, I haven't yet. even pitched. I and, just. And, and you know, based on your, your earlier story, that. Just getting it picked up is just that's just, just phase it's, one. I mean, there's yeah, so, yeah. and there's there's a lot of time that go, comes in between. It's it's a lot of hair pulling. It's hair pulling. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of collaborate. You have to really be a collaborator, and at the same time, you have to dig in when necessary to maintain the vision of the show, which ultimately, you know, everybody wants uh, and, and should have a say in. And then it's the delicate balance of of where you draw your line to say, I no, really feel this is how yeah, it should exactly, be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which, but I mean. And obviously, your your resume now, you can when you have these things ready to pitch, people can be like, yeah, I want to hear what Mick Betancourt has to say with these projects because I hope so. I don't. Like- I do, I don't. I, 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 after today, I mean, I'd be like, I've heard it all. Okay, I don't fucking need this. But shit. I mean, where's, I'm, where's I'm, Mick? To be so, honest, to, for me to come off a show like Wicked City, which was about serial killers in the '80s, which was which I watched uh, the episodes that were on, by the way, and when I heard it got canceled, I was laying in bed going, "Oh man, it got canceled." And it was on TV, and then my uh, fiance looks at me and she goes, "Yeah, I get it. You like Mick." And I look down and I'm wearing the shirt from his podcast, talking about him while his name's on the uh, still on the screen. I'm like, "That's my buddy's show." She's like, "I get it. I get it. You're friends with him." I was like, "Okay." You're having a Mick party, you guys? Yeah, just me. But just uh, call me Mick when I fuck you. That's all I ask. <laughs> you did you work on the pilot as well on that one? No, no. I uh, you know did the, it, was the, it was it named something different when the, the pilot? Yeah, was it LA always, Crime. LA Crime. Okay, yeah. yeah. I worked, they, they you know they shot the pilot at the Herald. Yeah, yeah. They I did. got confused because it was an eighty because I, I yeah, went yeah. into the police. Well, you've been there, so you know what yeah, the police station a looks super like. Super cool I was, location. I don't know what they turned it into after. Yeah. You ended up shooting at LA Center Studios. Is that where yeah, you yeah, downtown. Yeah, first yeah. time I worked there. But like even you know coming off of that and then writing and shooting. Just a goofy little short, but to have it be well received for me is just as rewarding. Yeah, you know, obviously, people look, are paying I, attention. I've been yeah. in, a, I have been in a place. I'm, I'm right now. I might be in. No, I'm not. I'm still in. This is new life to me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 41. 30 of my years were spent, you know, stealing food, begging on a street corner as an 11 year old for money. You know, yeah. so I could eat. So it's like I don't forget that very easily. So I don't take uh, yeah, this for granted. Nor should you. <laughs> But like, you know, having, being able to switch gears for me because I don't feel like I have a pedigree or a, um, a network, my, my success will always come from my work ethic. So it's not, I don't have a ton of connections, but I do have now a resume that people can look at and go, God damn son, you know, oh, you have worked on it. And then also go, oh, and then when I do comedy, 
it's funny. Like yeah. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not crossing my fingers and hoping that I'm doing that. So like my work week that you and I just shared. So I'm writing ten to six during the day. I see my kids in the morning. I see my kids at night. I make dinner for the family. I go out and I do stand up sets. I shoot comedy videos. I go out and I read for dramatic acting parts, for comedic acting parts. I'm shooting comedy shorts. I'm headlining shows. And most people are like, I just write my... I don't have that luxury. I don't have that luxury because if that writing door shuts, I'm going to come at you on the comedy side. And on the comedy side, I'm going to be writing, shooting, producing, directing, acting. On the drama side, I'm going to be writing features. I'm going to be writing books because I don't have another choice. I can't rest on my laurels. Once I stop and I go, hey, guys, it's okay. It's just never going to be my story. But also, don't you feel... I mean, how much better do you feel when you're productive in that way? When you're you're pumping out scripts and you're working at shit that you actually are passionate about or that you give a shit about. You're not filing papers. You're not working 10 to 6. But you can do that, man, in your own stand-up act. You can just file fucking papers, and that's the real danger, I think. Yeah. And I don't ever want to be just filing papers, writing a story, or filing papers, doing sets, because I think you can do that, and that's where the real fucking peril is. Right, but that's what I'm talking about, the passion. like, It's not just writing papers. If you're passionate about it, and you're getting stuff out that you believe in, then... It'll just, like I said, it just kind of... Yeah, no, it does. Know, like, it, it motivates and it's, it, it builds confidence. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, and, and you were, uh, as far as acting, um, I know you were in, um, what's the old-timey cop movie? Oh, Gangster Squad. Gangster Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right up front, folks. You don't have to watch the whole thing. If you want to <laughs> yeah, see him, he's right don't there. Don't blink. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but still, I mean, that was... No, it was been, amazing. Yeah. Man. It was amazing. And that was one of those... It's funny you say that because I had auditioned for that and then got staffed on Breakout Kings as a writer. And then I got the call that I had booked the part, and I had been auditioning for movies for 10 years with zero Nothing. success. And so, you so thought, I'm yeah. not going to get it. And I went in with Billy Gardell. Oh, wow. We, his, our auditions were, and he was Mike on Mike and Molly, like the first year of that, and that was a hit for CBS. And I started the audition, because Billy and I are great friend, personal friends. I said, you should give this to Billy. And the guy's like, what? And I go, he's just a great fucking guy. He's so hot right now. Just give it to him. And he goes, I tell you what, why don't you just slate yeah. and then fucking do your audition? Yeah. I'll, I'll give the part to whoever I deem necessary, know, yeah, you so. fucking asshole. You casting so the like, movie this, now? There's no just way. Just read your goddamn lines. And so I go and they cast me off the tape. I didn't even go back. Oh, wow. They just cast me off the tape. And my agent calls and goes, all right, so wardrobe is uh, in two days and you're shooting for a week, and whenever. I, and I got to tell your new show that you're writing for. Like, I know. Oh, Guys, and I, I felt so bad, and I went, guys, can I just... And so they're like, I oh, don't worry about it. So the first shot is a one so which is a direct a directing term of the camera moves, and there's going to be no cuts. No so cuts, the yeah. camera's moving from a half a block, and there's people moving, and they're getting out of cabs and talking. And then my cue is when the camera stops next to me in the car, that's when I start talking to Josh Brolin, yeah. who is sitting next to me in the car. So they call, action! And the camera's moving towards me, and I just go... What the fuck have I gotten myself yeah. into? Oh, Jesus. I'm in a car with fucking Josh, Josh Brolin. <laughs> I don't take acting classes. I have bluffed my way to this point, and I'm going to fucking ruin this movie. I should have been working with the coach. I should have been fucking up till four in the morning. And then the camera hits, and I'm just like, hey, blah, 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 Josh Brolin, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, blue, 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 fat fucking guy I don't know. Blue, blah, blue, blue, blah, blah. And the fucking scenes just went. And, and I just cut, fucking. Brent, get the fuck out of here. And I'm that like, how the fuck did I pull that fucking thing off? Josh Brolin's on a, <laughs> Josh Brolin's on a podcast somewhere like, yeah, and then yeah, this fat this fuck I didn't know was in the, the car movie. with me. <laughs> oh, funny. dude. Well, uh, 
we are we are running out of time. That was <laughs> that was great hanging with you guys. It was oh, a perfect dude. way to end it, by the way, too. Yeah, fun. yeah. Um, I mean, just I, you know, I'm worn out. This fucking that's, <laughs> your story is. We'll is, have you back in the future because yeah. I would like to get into more detail about your life as a writer. Yeah, which you really weren't able to get into this, but I, I think it, your your story is is one that should be told, and I'm glad that you came in here and told it. I, you know, I. I want people to think that there there are no hurdles unless you want to give yourself some. I mean, everybody that comes in and tells a story, they all found their way. There are hurdles. You paths. just you got to get over them. Well, yeah, I'm saying what I mean by there's no <laughs> hurdles. How you yeah, how you deal them. with it. It's yeah. like you can absolutely. You can, and you know you've you're just a, one another one of our great stories of people going. This is what I I, I ended up here. But I, it sure wasn't roses. Like not everybody has this Ashton Kutcher story of like, right. I just had one them all, and next thing I one modeling know, gig, then yeah. I booked that seventy. Show. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, Hollywood's easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not. It's a it's a journey that's filled with great stories, shitty stories. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's the journey, but, right? But it's the shitty times that make the good times so good. You and know what I mean? I also want to say that um, none <laughs> of that stuff. It's great. It brought comfort, but none of that stuff fixed the other problems in my life. Like a, a successful writing career does not keep me sober. No, 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 no. Yeah. Husband. That's a so different, it's, yeah. But it's, it's, it's very important because a lot of people put the ambition that the uh, uh, accumulation of money, property, prestige, or any of that stuff will somehow fix you. It will not at all. But You're bringing you the same there? you to all of to, to yeah, those you things. You need to fix you. But would you have gotten there had you not <clears throat> fixed those things? <clears throat> No, I needed to. It would have been impossible for right. me to do anything if I were still drinking and using. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, the lesson to be learned is that there there is payoff. You know, if you can if you can get things straight, especially you must in your, be in your specific. You yeah. must be inconvenienced. You must be. Uh, you must sacrifice. And you must do things that you don't want to do. Not crossing any moral lines, but it's it's a grind. Yeah. It is a grind. And enjoy it and laugh about it. You laugh. I mean, that's the thing is you got an infectious laugh. So it's like you. Well, the gr- I love you, the grind yeah. because for me growing up poor, if this was about privilege or access, I'm fucked. Right. But if this is about work, oh, motherfucker. Look when out. you're sleeping, I'm working. Yeah. When you're, you're sitting at a table with your wonderful family, just thinking about how fucking great everything is and how much love there is in the room, I'm working. When you're holding your fucking girlfriend's hand, I'm working. When you're sleeping, I'm fucking working. Stop so it. when you and I show up, motherfucker, let's go. Because if work is the is the playing field, I will fucking bury you. It did come End off of a story. little bit creepy. I'm sorry. The I don't give a fuck. That it's because I'm naked. <laughs> it's because I, I, I do my work speech with no when pants you're on. Your hand with <laughs> I'm out in the uh, window looking in, working. I'm working it. I'm All right. Well, we'll- <laughs> I just had the it, and it just perves it out. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll definitely have you back because you're fucking insane. And, yes. uh, <laughs> and in the meantime, uh, where can the digital world find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mick Betancourt, uh, M-I-C-K-B-E-T-A-N-C-O-U-R-T. And if you liked anything that I said today, I have a podcast that I do that drops every Monday that speaks specifically to the hustle and the grind. And that is called the Mick Betancourt, Mick Betancourt Show. Uh, you can find it on iTunes or com, And I have guests from Hitman to Smugglers to Academy Award winners to NBA champion coaches, all that talk about how they hustle to achieve their dreams. I've been a guest on the show. Yeah, I achieved my dream. Here we are doing a podcast <laughs> at Brian's house. Basement. <laughs> basement. Yeah, we're in the basement, everybody. You made it all the way to my basement. Congrats. All right, man. Thank you so much for something. Thanks yeah, a lot, dude. Great show. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> 
you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 